Hello, good evening. Hope you're all well this cold Sunday. Well, it's certainly cold up here. Um, oh, I have to. You have to excuse me, people. My eyes have started streaming. I've started sneezing, and and my nose has been running in the last thirty minutes. Um, I don't know if I've suddenly become well. I turned on a kind of fan heater thing, so I don't know if the dust has irritated me. Um, and I don't have any antihistamines, so I've just guzzled about five or six high-dose vitamin Ds to see if I can uh, combat it. But hopefully we'll be able to, to fight our way through it, so please excuse me if things get too bad. Um, I don't can always make Chaz full screen. So, uh, it's good to see you all, good to see you all. Shalini, Beats and Tapes, Julie, Adam. I saw something's a bit fishy in the downloads folder, but Andrew, nice to see you, mate. Uh, who else we got? Who have I missed? Have I missed Vaughn? Vaughn's in. Are you working or are you at home resting? Oh. Right. Um, well, tonight I think we're going to talk about... We're going to talk about the... Um, bl not the Black Eyed Kids... That's what I was thinking about when Beats and Tapes had his visitors. Tonight we're going to talk about... We're going to talk about the Appalachian Trail. And some of the spooky things that happen on it. So, uh, the Appalachian Trail runs down the, the kind of east... Well, it's not on the east coast, it's in from the east coast. So it's the mountain range that runs basically from... Well, actually, it probably runs from Nova Scotia, maybe even a bit further into Canada than that, all the way down to Georgia. Um, but the Appalachian Trail itself is only counted as from Maine to Georgia because that's the American part of it. Um, but the mountains, the mountains that it, that are formed from are some of the oldest mountains in the world. Um, and, and they've been dated at like 1.2 billion years because when the... African plate and the American plate pulled apart. These mountains all get pushed up from millions of years ago, and that's basically what makes the Appalachian Mountains. And the interesting, fun fact, but the interesting thing, that's the same mountain chain that becomes the Highlands of Scotland. <laughs> so the rocks and the mountains in the Highlands of Scotland are the same one same ones that run up through Virginia and the Carolinas and through Nova Scotia. And that's when Scotland got torn away from North America and brought over to Europe, where it joined up with um, with England, basically. So Scotland used to be independent in the true sense of the word. Or at one point it was while it was floating across the Atlantic, but yeah, it was part of America, the North American plate, but um, or it was part of the North, North America but it get dragged away, and uh, that's what happened. So, there you go. Uh, so, what sounds fake? It, it, don't start me, Harold. Just don't start me. <laughs> so, that's um, that's the, the, the mountains that form the... Uh, some of them are... You'll have heard of, you know, like the Blue Ridge Mountains of Virginia, um, Carolinas, and... and you know, the, the, it's quite an impressive mountain range because they, they're quite a barrier. Um, when when people came to colonise Af America, 
Um, and this is this is what caused the problems because you had the colonists all coming into the east coast and and taking up some of the space, and you had the indigenous population that were already there. You know the what do you call them Native Americans now, for want of a better term. Excuse me. Um, so. You can look it up by all you want, Vaughn. It's true. <laughs> um, so when that—I I mean, I don't give you—I don't give you guys lies. Why do you think? Why do you have to go and fact check? Well, you, hey, feel free to fact check me, but you know, you don't need to call me out on it until you find me wrong. But it's definitely true. But anyway, um, yeah. So um, the the. Uh, the, the colonists were coming in, taking up more and more space. There was a bit of friction between them and the indigenous population. And basically, the indigenous population got pushed across those mount that mountain range, which they didn't really want to, because that mountain range is quite a barrier to um, quite a barrier to further exploration. And then ultimately, they ended up, um, you know, once once the east coast kind of started to fill up. They kind of pushed across and then everybody went west. Go west, young man. Go west. You can, it can be as far-fetched as you like, my man, but hey, by all means, look it up and um, you'll find it out. So the trail's um, 2,200 miles and covers 14 states. So that's that's quite a trail. Now, apparently it's, it's a wee bit bigger than the West Highland Way, um, which, if you think about it, it's kind of doing the same thing on the same mountains. <laughs> So, so, so as we, as we, um, as we, as, 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 similar to the West Island Way, many, many, well, in our case, thousands, but in the Americans' case, millions of people start out to do the entire trail, but not many of them finish. But it's not, it's not because they disappeared or something bad happened to them, you know. It's just because, you know, a lot of them just don't finish. But what we're going to look at tonight, we're going to look at some of the things that affect people on the Appalachian Trail. Um, so we'll, we'll we'll just go through it um, with some of the, the things that have been uh, rumoured and... Uh, excuse me. As I said, excuse me, people. Sorry um, to be tormenting you with this. So, um, as I was saying, um, we'll go through some of the things that that are uh, maybe myth, maybe not. And when you think about it, a lot of the, a lot of the myths that we have are there for a good reason, you know, because rather than explaining to your three-year-old or four-year-old or whatever you don't want them to go off into the woods because they might get lost and something might eat them or they might fall down and we can't find them and you know they end up horrible death and all that so rather than having to explain all that to a child you just say there's a bad man in there that'll take you away you know and it's a lot easier isn't it and and really that's kind of where fairy tales and night and you know um you know, the, the folklore and that comes from. It's to tell you not to do things and get across in quite a, a, a succinct way without having to go into great depth as to why you shouldn't do it. So, you know, don't go down there because there's a bear lives in that cave and he'll eat you, you know? And you're not going to go, well, is there a bear in that cave or not? Just, yeah, you know what? 
I'll, I'll just, I'll believe you on this occasion and uh, I'll not go in that cave. So there you go. Chaz is floating above a Windows desktop. That's where he is. He gets around that bear. Anyway, um, so I could, well, actually, I could put him in space, couldn't I? Why is he, um, why is he, why is he floating around on Windows desktop? Um, I think I know why he's floating around the Windows desktop because that clown Ben's still turned on. There you go, that's better. Uh, right. <coughs> I'm glad to see Harold. Harold's done the fact checking for you, Vaughn. Wow, it is true. Bloody hell. <laughs> Imagine that. Right. So, anyway. Uh, Let's start with the Appalachian Tunnels. Now, there are tunnels through the Appalachian Mountains. And, you know, the, the, they did, uh, they, they built a railroad tunnel, and it was the longest railroad, it was the longest tunnel underground in North America um, at the time it was completed, and um, for some considerable time, because it, it went through something like 1.4 kilometres of mountain. So that's not bad in the 1800s when you think about it. Um, so I think there's four or five tunnels through the mountains. Some of them are, some of them might be used, or still used or not. Um, I think one of them might still be used, but the rest are kind of fallen into disrepair. But those aren't the tunnels we're talking about. What we're talking about is the secret tunnels. So apparently there's secret tunnels that go to a secret lab underneath the mountain where they've been doing secret experiments and some of the people people or things that were experimenting on have escaped and they're meant to roam about the mountains. Now, they're supposed to look like humans but aren't quite humans, you know, so maybe I don't know if they've been genetically changed or not. This is the rumour. But there is a secret tunnel. There are secret tunnels there because you've heard the Cheyenne Mountain in Denver, you know, where NORAD is. Well, originally it was at... What was it, Mount Raven or something? Raven? Yeah, something like Mount Raven. And that's where the American underground bunker kind of thing was for nuclear war. And they did have tunnels that went down to it. So the secret military tunnels are still there. But I don't think there was a really a, a base where they were experimenting on people. Or was there? There may have been. So that's number two. That's the first one, number one. Now, what about the Snarly Yow? So you saw the picture in the thumbnail. That's the Snarly Yow, which is basically a big black dog that comes up on people's while they're walking uh, in West Virginia on part of the trail. And it's like, it, it, it's been around, This the Snarly Yow's been around since the 1700s. And what happens is you're walking along the trail and you hear a dog. And, um, I mean, this guy's walking along the trail, walking along the trail, here's a dog panting up beside him, walking beside him, panting away. So he puts his hand down to pet the dog, and there's no dog there. But he can still hear the dog. So he thinks, that's a bit odd. So he has a look round, no dog. Still hear the dog. So he starts to walk a bit faster. Dog's still there. Panting gets a wee bit more heavier. Starts running. Panting's still there, but heavier as if the dog's running beside him. Guy's completely freaked out. Then it just disappears. And that seems to be the way of the Snarly Yow. It just disappears. 
Um, sometimes people see it and they see it in the distance and then it comes towards them and then it just disappears. Um, so there's quite a lot of people. So it doesn't actually do anything. It just seems to, you see it and then it disappears. Or sometimes, sometimes a snarly yow is on one path and it stands there and it snarls at you and you take the other path to stay away from the snarly yow. So I don't know if he's um, he's making things better or easier. <laughs> is he causing accidents or is he curing them? We don't know. So, um, so he's meant to be in West Virginia and Maryland. That's where the snarly yow takes his um, place up in this, in the Appalachian Trail. Let me see the um <clears throat> around the turn of the century, a beast resembling a huge dog with large paws and an ugly red mouth was known to exist on South Mountain, east of Hagerstown, Maryland. Hundreds of people saw the dog, and horses particularly were afraid of the strange animal. The dog suddenly would appear on the National Pike, now alternate Route 40, blocking the road. Without artifacting any damage with its vicious-looking teeth, it would confront travellers, then disappear before astonished men and women. The black dog, or snarly you, as the locals called it, seemed to have been relegated to old accounts and memoirs until the beast was again seen by credible witnesses, apparently, in the summer of 1975. Some time ago, William, a strong and sober man of 30 was returning home to his family the night he encountered the Snarly Yow. He had accomplished his errands in Boonesborough and was approaching the South Mountain section called Glendale when he saw the animal. Under the bright stars, the ungainly form of the beast could be distinctly traced. It was black, much bigger than any dog he'd ever seen. And as he came nearer, the animal moved to the centre of the National Pike, blocking his way. William first tried to scare the dog, then threw sticks and rocks at it, but instead of striking the creature, the object seemed to go through the animal, having no effect whatsoever. The dog glared at him and threateningly bared its wolfish teeth in a snarl. Without making a sound, the beast turned and continued across the road into a thicket. There we go. Um... A mountain man named Big Joe, due to his stature, well, <laughs> if, you, if you were really what to call him something, then you should have called him Little Joe, wouldn't you, if he, was a, if he was a big guy, came across a black dog on horseback one day while riding on a trail. The dog started running before the horse and he gave chase. The dog kicked up dirt and gravel, very much as any, very much as any beast with claws would do in a rapid run, then suddenly vanished, gone. Another man had gone to Boonesborough for an evening of entertainment. Undisclosed. He became so rowdy and noisy an attempt was made to arrest him, but he successfully outwitted his assailants, mounted his horse and started home. Coming across the dog, he tried to spur his horse on, but the horse became so terrified it threw the man to the ground, breaking his collarbone in the fall. The dog vanished. Others have thrown bricks and stones at the dog, only to have it walk away Undaunted. There you go. <sighs> so, there you go. That's a snarly yow. Some, you know, well, uh, well noted um, stories on it. There's quite, quite a few more, um, but I think we've probably heard enough. So, 
We'll now move on to the Bell Witch. <sighs> so the Bell Witch has been called America's greatest ghost story ever, and it happened in Tennessee. So in the decades since the Witcher spirit first manifested around the Bell family on their farm in Robertson County in the early 19th century, the Bell Witch has attracted the attention of ghost hunters, sceptics, supernaturalists, religious leaders, storytellers, authors, historians and curious citizens from all over the world. Earlier sources of the Bell Witch legends are dubious at best. Well, that kind of that kind of is the thing about that, you know, they, they, they always are a wee bit. Um, but provide a terrific look into the pervasiveness of the legend and the progression of the Bell Witch story through the years. <clears throat> um, right, so let's cut to a summation. Uh, one of the children, one of the Bell family children, Benjamin, died as a young child. And does that have any relevance to it? Da, da, da. Disturbances begin. The origin of the legendary bell witch is, of course, a mystery. In early accounts, the spirit itself provides its origin, stating, I am a spirit. <laughs> I was once very happy, but I have been disturbed and made unhappy. I am the spirit of a person who was buried in the woods nearby, and the grave was disturbed. My bones disinterred and scattered, and one of my teeth was lost under this house. I am here looking for that tooth. Looking for the tooth, the whole tooth, and nothing but the tooth. <laughs> of course, this cannot be verified. However, a number of Indian burial mounds could be found in the region. Mm. There we go. Uh, in the, another event, the witch claimed to be a spirit from everywhere. Heaven, hell, the earth, I'm in the air, the house, any place at any time. I've been created millions of years. Mm. Interesting. Oh, <clears throat> um, the first appearance of unusual disturbances surrounding the Bell family is reported as an incident on the farm in which John Bell fired a shot at a dog-like creature which vanished. Sounds a bit like the snarly yow, doesn't it? Uh, Drury and Betsy also began to see strange creatures near the property. This sounds a bit like Skinwalker Ranch. Um, the sights are accompanied by strange sounds around the house. Bum, 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 bum. Betsy, Drury and John began to hear unaccounted for knocking on the door and windows, the sound of wings flapping against the ceilings, and the sound of rats gnawing on bedposts. Dun, dun, dun. More disturbingly, the sound of choking and strangling could be heard along with chains dragging and heavy objects hitting the floor. That sounds like a... It just sounds like a made-up ghost story thing, doesn't it? I mean, um, in all cases, the source of the noise was never found, no rats were found in the home, and no damage to the furniture was ever discovered. During these demonstrations, the family refused to speak of the events to their neighbours. So the spirit increases activity, sometimes physically abusing the members of the family. So, Joel Richard... Williams and especially Betsy were subjected to being struck, pinched and having their hair pulled by the Bell Witch. Lucy Bell and John Jr. were left relatively unharmed by the witch. Lucy was proclaimed by the spirit to be the most perfect woman living. And the witch showed a great deal of compassion towards her, even caring for her and singing to her while she was ill. 
John Jr. had long intense conversations with the witch, but he never failed to show his animosity for it, declaring it be the spirit of the damned. So, family friend, William Porter, no relation, claimed the witch climbed into bed with him, allowing him the opportunity to seize the spirit in the bedclothes and attempted to throw it into the fire saying only the immense weight and terrible smell of it prevented them from succeeding. Good grief, man. Good grief. Wrestling with a spirit in the bed. The witch had a dislike for the family's slaves, tormenting them relentlessly, beating them and refusing to allow them into the house. Good grief. It's just, it's just shocking. So, yeah, the... um. Uh, uh, another neighbour and husband of Esther Bell, Bennett Porter, again, no relation, <laughs> fired a shot at a naughty log that had been captured, uh, sorry, had been conjured upon by the witch. She struck the bark and cut into it, but the conjuration vanished. Only the bent tree and bullet hole remained. Oh, uh, in another instance, Dr. Mize, a noted conjurer from Simpson, Kentucky, came to exorcise the witch and was mocked and frightened away. So the, the Bell Witch is quite a quite the um quite the uh quite the uh, character, should we say. Um so Mary Catherine Mary Catherine Batts, the wife of Frederick Batts, was believed by many to have been the culprit behind disturbances known as the Bell Witch, although not a poor woman. She was often mocked by others throughout the Red River settlement, her improper usage of words along with her sometimes strange ways. Led many to think she was practising black magic or other forms of their cult. I think I'm going to take some drink. Oh. It's like, <laughs> that's outrageous. <laughs> <laughs> so, although it played a re the Bell Witch Cave, although it played a relatively minor role in the original Bell Witch legend, in the early 19th century, the cave on John Bell's property has since become a focal point for visitors hoping to experience a little bit of the haunting themselves. The cave is the only original feature from the legend that can still be seen today, largely unchanged from the way the Bell family would have seen it in 1817. Although numerous events have been reported by visitors to the cave, inclu including the renowned difficulty in taking photographs around the site, nothing on the scale of the original haunting centred around the Bell House, long since torn down, has been reported since the early 1800s. So following the death of John Bell, the witch's activity dropped off sharply. Spirit was still active through the winter and spring of 1821, but it soon bade the family farewell, telling them it would be gone for seven years. True to its word, the family remaining on the property, Lucy, Richard, Williams and Joel, claimed the witch did return on February 19, uh, sorry, 1828, reappearing in much the same way it appeared the first time, with shaking beds and unexplained noises. It soon vanished again. Claimed it would return to haunt the Bell descendants once again in 1935, but no other specific hauntings of the Bell family or the property arrived. Strange. So there you go. Strange indeed. Peculiar to that family.
the Bell Witch. <clears throat> number seven, or well, number, it doesn't matter what number it is. So now we'll go to Bigfoot. So can't have we can't have an American um, strange appearance thing without Bigfoot coming into it at some point. Um, so as we know, Bigfoot as as it's definitely one of the, uh, the the things about the Blue Ridge Mountains and indeed across the states, particularly the Pacific Northwest. But um, so Bigfoot's uh, Bigfoot's meant to exist around this area as well. And some of these forests are dense and very old, so you, um, you know, if there's if there's a chance of something, some sort of cryptid like a bigfoot, you know, some kind of um, bear-like or or ape-like creature, then I, I suppose um, there there is a chance of that. The hikers on the Appalachian Trail shouldn't be surprised if they come across the big feet. Around the beautiful Blue Ridge Mountains, or catch a glimpse of a lurking big creature in the shadows. Did you see the one uh, on Twitter the other day, which someone took photograph or took video of a of what appeared to be a bigfoot just walking across the the ground beside a train, and it did look it looked quite like the Patterson Gimlin film. Um, so it didn't really look like a guy in a suit, to be fair, um, but. Hey, who knows? Oh. So are we enjoying this, people? Is this okay? Is this okay for you? Um, what's happening in the chat? Yeah, I saw the train footage, beats and tits, yep. Bigfoot and the Andersons, yeah. Yeah, that was ridiculous. Bigfoot and the Andersons. Uh Oh, uh, right. Where are we now? What are we looking at? Uh, so I've done the. We've done the. The what's it called? Um, Bell Witch. So um, well, let's have a look at the Brown Mountain Lights. So this is the um. This is these lights that appear. In Brown Mountain, um, which is, it's not huge, it's got an elevation of what, 2,760 feet, so it's not a huge mountain, small and Ben Nevis to be fair. Uh, so these lights um, were, were meant to appear in the valley and there doesn't appear to be any kind of reasonable explanation for them. Um, so they've been called ghost lights. It's claimed the brown mountain lights are glowing spheres in the sky in different yellowish colours. It's also said they've been happening for over a century, yet their occurrence now is a rarity. Reports of them before the 20th century are also present, and that's why there's a variety of legends that explain their origin. One of the most famous ones is that there are souls of Native American women searching for their loved ones who died in the battle between the Cherokee and the Catawaba, Catawaba tribes. Another popular legend that these lights are the torch of a slave that continues searching for his lost in the forest master. So yeah, the Brown Mountain lights, um, I mean, some people have tried to explain them away as like car headlights and roads and things, and, you know, it, it doesn't really work. Um, oh, excuse me. 
So um, it doesn't really work trying to explain them away with like that. So I mean, people also think UFOs that kind of thing, but it, it's it's possible. I suppose it could be some kind of swamp gas or um, ball lightning. Ball lightning is quite a, a strange phenomenon when you see that. That's uh, uh, that's pretty strange. So yeah. Um, so that's the brown mountain lights. They don't appear as much as they, they they appear now, but you apparently get them more now at this point in time of the year, early autumn. That's when, uh, if you're going to see the brown mountain lights, that's the time to go and see them um, at Brown Mountain. Right, um, well, we've all heard of the Mothman. I don't know if you've seen the movie, The Mothman Prophecies, but so the Mothman was uh, was was a. I mean, it first appeared on. It first appeared. To a couple who were out, uh, and it's described as a, a large red-eyed creature in human form with enormous wings. It was first reported in the sixties in the village of Point Pleasant, West Virginia. His first encounter was with two couples during their drive across the village, who claimed to have seen a large flying creature behind their cars. They met, and then they, they 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 obviously sped up because this thing was following them and. They said they were doing over a hundred mile an hour, and the thing was still with them. But then, when they got into the town, it had disappeared. And this was the um, this was the Mothman. There was repeated sightings and more and more sightings until the um, the bridge collapsed, the Silver Bridge in nineteen sixty seven, um, which killed a number of people. And one afternoon, the bridge collapsed um, during rush hour, I think, and and and. Uh, it took a toll on the, the, the local people who ended up in the river. You know, at this time of the year, it's pretty cold. So, yeah, um, and after that, the sightings just disappeared. They weren't anymore. So it was supposed to be a harbinger of of, of um, what was to come. Excuse me. Uh, now... The Moon-Eyed People There is a dim but persistent tradition of a strange white race preceding the Cherokee. Some of the stories even going so far as to locate the former settlements and to identify them as the authors of the ancient works found in the country. So there's a big, big brick-built wall um, that runs for like 900 feet or something near the top of a mountain <laughs> that you know, <laughs> nobody could really account for. It wasn't built in modern times. It wasn't built by the settlers, and it certainly wasn't built by the Indians. Sorry, the uh, Native Americans. So uh, <clears throat> the Cherokee tell us that when they first arrived in the country, which they now they then inhabited, they found it possessed by certain moon-eyed people who could not see in the daytime. These wretches they expelled. So they chased them away, basically. Uh, so numerous historical accounts testified to the fact that the Cherokee said a race of light-skinned, blue-eyed white people that could see only under the cover of night so what were they with the uh, aliens or vampires um, lived in the mountains of the Appalachia before they arrived both the Creek and the Cherokee legends speak of the battles they engaged in against the Moon Eyes and how they eventually drove them out of the region. One thing is certain, they existed. 
But who were they? Could they have been the descendants of the Welsh Prince Maddock? Who may have landed in the area of Mobile Bay in 1170? Or were they another unknown tribe of people now altogether lost antiquity? Now, I don't know that many Welsh people, right? I don't know that many Welsh people, right? But I think they can see during the day. <laughs> and I wouldn't really describe them as moon-eyed. <laughs> so, so yeah. Um, sorry, I, 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 I really, I'm probably not going to show any pics. Um, they, I don't have a lot of pics. They're, they're just like drawings and things that, you know, it's just it looks a bit like a it looks a bit like a grey alien drawing, but that's just a supposition of what they mean by moon eyed. <laughs> yeah, I know. There's, there's a few people there's a few people in the chat that are Welsh that we know. And yeah, they they've confirmed they can see they can see in the daytime. <laughs> uh Remnants of the lost civilization still remain today. Located atop Fort Mountain near Chatsworth, Georgia, a 900-foot stone wall snakes around the mountainside. Its origins have baffled archaeologists, geologists and historians for generations. Scholars suggest its construction may date back to 400 AD. But theories abound as to when it may have actually been constructed and what purpose it served its builders. Who knows? So there you go, the moon-eyed people. So, what is <laughs> what about? Shall we move on? <laughs> Shall we move on? <laughs> Shit, fun. Be nice to the Welsh people. They're not that bad. So, shall we move on to the wampus cat? <laughs> so, this is a half animal, half human creature. So the legendary wampus cat derives from the Native American Cherokee stories. It said the wampus cat came into existence when a Native American woman was expelled from the tribe because she'd been cursed for witnessing forbidden rituals. Now, I, I'm not quite sure why the ritual was forbidden. If, if it was only forbidden to view the forbidden ritual... Or she shouldn't have been viewing the ritual that was being conducted by cause it was forbidden. Or yeah, you know, you know what I mean. Um, they're, they're a bit flaky. They probably find that it was just women weren't allowed to view this ritual. Anyway, walking across the village, she hid under a thick fur, and obviously was so terrified that she became one with the fur, becoming the wampus cat. <laughs> It's a popular belief this half-woman, half-cat creature still haunts the Appalachian Mountains. Half-woman, half-cat, half-rug. Half-rug. <laughs> She's basically half-woman, half-rug. That, that would probably suit most women because they're always cold, aren't they? <laughs> oh. So a statue of the Wampus Cat has been built in front of Conway High School in Conway, Arizona. Now, I'm not quite sure why. <laughs> because Arizona's a hell of a distance from, um, from the Appalachian Trail and from where the Cherokee had their, their original uh, grounds in the Smoky Mountains of Virginia. So there we go. Right, um, 
here we go. Flatwood, the Flatwood Monster. So, um, Flatwood, West Virginia, uh, a, a, a tribute to the local folklore icon, the Flatwoods Monster. So, some locals saw a meteor in the sky and chased it into the woods. Um, they continued into the forest and saw, apparently, an alien-like creature staring back at them. Word spread, and now the legend was born. So, so what happened was, the... Um, what was it? Uh, let me let me check. Right, sorry. It was reported to have been seen in Braxton County, West Virginia, right, by two elementary school boys, a woman, so she was a mother, uh, and a seventeen-year-old National Guardsman, following a strange burning light in the sky, probably a meteor. Okay, they followed that into the woods, where the creature was reported to have been seen levitating. The story, um, kind of one of the first that's been connected with UFOs, made it into the national news at the time. So years later, the Flatwood Monster still has not been forgotten by locals around the Appalachian Mountains. There's been no further sightings of it. So what, the, what they've done is they've, they've obviously thought, this is a good story, we can use it as a, a, a tourist trap. And they've put like they've put a a, a re, um, you know a depiction of the Flatwood Monster up beside the highway, and they're trying to drag people in to come and see the Flatwood Monster. I think it's um it's just probably something a meteor crashed or something like that, and then people have embellished it. I would think. Oh, excuse me. So, um. The Pierce Pond ghost, so we're now at the very start or end of the Appalachian Trail. We're right up in Maine. So, the Pierce Pond ghost um, is a strange one in that, basically, this guy goes, uh, he goes to, he goes to Pierce Pond, which is a kind of popular place for people, and there's a, there's a lean-to there, and he spends a night, and... He, he sees a figure right, during the night, but it doesn't bother him and he doesn't really think that much of it. So the next morning he gets up, does more stuff. And then the second night he's lying there and the figure appears again and looks at him. And this time when he when it looks at him, he's so terrified, he's overcome by unreasonable fear that he has to get up and run. And he runs into the woods. And basically keeps running until he can't run any further. Slumps down against a tree and waits for dawn, um, which when he goes back gets his kit and gets out of there. And and this is basically what the Pierce Pond ghost does. It appears, people see it, um, and they run away. And it's it's supposed to be like a woodsman or whatever. But it just has it just has this overwhelming sense of fear around people and um and and it just terrifies them. But it doesn't really seem to do anything. So, it's it's quite a tame ghost um, in that respect. Oh, sorry. My eyes are my eyes are like really scratchy and oh, it's as if I'm coming down with something, but I can't be. I don't come down with things. <laughs> oh. Oh. Right. Uh, 
Oh, Adam's in now. Good. Nice to see you, Adam. Yeah. Uh, yeah, my eyes are really, really, really annoying. I've been streaming since about half an hour before the stream started. Um, I don't know why, and they're really itchy. I should probably try and stop scratching them. Do they look bloodshot? Do they? Do they look bad? Oh, oh good God. Don't, I'm not going to stop talking about Hamza. But I think Hamza might be out tomorrow. Yes, throw cold water in my face. Thanks. I'm fucking freezing here. Freezing. <laughs> so anyway, let's um, let, let's be sensible about things for a minute. Because we're, we're talking about the woods and, and myths and things like that. Because, you know, th things like Hansel and Gretel and that is a myth. You know, fairy story type thing, and that's um, that's that's a probably a good a good um, it's a good analogy for why you shouldn't go into the woods, you know, because a witch might catch you and put you in her her house or whatever and eat you up. But that that kind of thing, it's handy to tell kids what not to do, and and we don't do that anymore. We don't really everything's we sugarcoat everything, but people don't understand. How dangerous nature can be, and and it's like um, it's like the last time when I was on about you know my wife got caught in the in the flood in Greenock, and and I mean I said to her you 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 don't understand the power of water because people don't understand that a square meter of water, a cubic meter of water weighs a ton, a ton, right? So you imagine you got a lot of water running down a hill. It doesn't need to be terribly deep for it to exert an incredible amount of power on you. And can once it knocks you over, you're going to tumble down that hill and be banged off the road and curbs and lamp posts and whatever. And you can, it, you know, when when the Met Office actually said there was a danger of death, on this occasion they were right because water is really, really, it, it, it's a really dangerous new thing, especially when it's in flood and you've got to be careful and, and people don't they don't um they, they don't treat things with enough respect and even when you go when you go and, and let's be sensible when you go hiking in the woods right one you shouldn't go alone right I don't think you should go hiking alone um you, because it doesn't take much you strip over a tree root and a tree root you trip over a tree root and sprain your ankle right how are you going to get back, you know? Now you'll say, I've got my phone. But then what happens if you don't have a signal, you know? And what happens if it's not a path that's well-travelled? Or what happens if you're halfway up a mountain and you've dropped your phone while you fell over the tree root and that fell down the mountain? And you've got to hobble about on top of your mountain and the weather comes in. And this is why people die on Scottish mountains because you don't understand how quickly the weather changes up here. And it happens all the time because they'll go up mountains and... My wife did this last year. They went, they took a thing from the gym and they went up a mountain on the spring or something like that. And they just went for, a, they were going out for a jolly on a Saturday and they went up and walked up a mountain. And they walked up it in stupid things like leggings and trainers and I'm like that. You people are nuts. And they came back covered in mud. Right? I mean, it was a beautiful day. They came back covered in mud. One of them had fallen halfway down the, well, not halfway down the mountain, but had fallen down the trail, Right. Um, one of them had ripped her leggings, the other one had lost one of her trainers. You know, they, they, they don't understand the power of nature. And people don't, they underestimate it. Because we think we've conquered it, and we haven't. Because, you know, it doesn't take much for you to get into a situation where you're in deep shit. 
And if there's more than one of you, you've got at least you've got the other person to try and help you. Or you've got someone to go for help. Or you've got someone to raise the alarm, right? But if you're on your own and you get stuck in nature, you could be I mean, it could be it could be a week before somebody comes by because I, I don't know what it's like where you guys go, where if you go walking, but there are places up here you could go for a walk and not see someone at all, you know? And nobody will walk by it for like two days or something like that. So you, you do have to understand what it's like. And now if you go somewhere like the Appalachian Trail and you go off the path, you can get lost in deep old growth forest. And old growth forest takes ages to get through because there's just so much crap all over the place. So you really got, and you got to be prepared because normally you won't have the proper clothing. You won't have a change of clothing. You won't have waterproofs. You won't have something to, to make a bivy out of or a temporary shelter. You you won't have a decent knife. And now that's the, the one thing you should definitely carry in this country when you go out hiking is a decent knife. And when I say a decent knife, I mean a, a knife with a good blade, you know, something like this. And you say, but you can't carry a knife with more than six inches. Well, yes, you can, right? If you have reasonable excuse. Now, if you're in the middle of a forest, you have a reasonable excuse for having a proper knife. Um, so, and if, you ha if you're in trouble and the police come and say, oh, you're getting done for having that knife, <laughs> you think, well, that's the least of my troubles, mate. That is the least of my troubles, you know? But yeah, so you... you um. You can carry a proper knife, and, and definitely. You've got to be aware of what you're doing. And, and you should always go prepared with, you know, proper clothing, proper footwear. Um, tell someone where you've gone and when you expect to be back, you know. And, and these things, they sound so like molly coddling, but this is because we are molly coddled now as people and we don't understand how to look after ourselves in nature. And that's why... When they see you see this stuff on TV, tell someone when you left and when you expect to be back. And you think, oh, that's nonsense, but it's not nonsense. It's true. It's because um, it, anything can happen at any time. I mean, every time I took the boat, I used to tell the coast guard when I was leaving and when I was expecting to come back. You know, you just radio in. Um, so, <clears throat> well, Harold, do you live in the UK, right? If you have a shotgun license, you can take your shotgun, yeah. But uh, if it, I mean, what what kind of gun are you talking about? Um. So yeah. So. Um, I think it's sensible to it's sensible to um to go prepared and to make sure that you've got the right equipment. And if you're if you're in America, where there are big animals that can actually kill you. Like bears, mountain lions, Sasquatch. You know, you probably do want to go armed if if it, if it's legal for you to carry one. Yeah, then I would suggest that you do. Uh. Oh, excuse me. What do you mean? Why would you need a knife to hike in the UK? Well, why wouldn't you need a knife? A, a knife is a an invaluable survival tool, right? I mean, you can do, there's a lot of things you can do with a knife that you can't do without. You know, if you've got a proper knife that you can use to cut wood to make a shelter, right? You can 
shave wood to make you know, fine shaving so you can start a fire. You know, you can, if you have to, you can skin and dress an animal um, if you're if you're starving, right? You can strike it, strap it to a bit of wood and uh, use it as a spear. So you've got a lot of reasons why why you would want to have a knife, um, a good knife, when you're when you're out hiking or camping. Um, it's, it's essential, I would say. If, if to go without one is is foolhardy, really, um, because you, you're you're just leaving yourself at the mercy of nature, and you want you don't want to be at its mercy. You want to work with it, but. You give yourself as many tools as you possibly can in order to take care of yourself. Because that's a, you, you're not waiting on the number 57 coming along. And you're not going to phone up Uber Eats and say, yeah, I'd like a, I'd like a McDonald's. Because that's not going to happen. Sometimes you've got to understand that you... I mean, there are places, certainly in Scotland. I mean, when I would... I took the um, took my daughter out last year in the van and we went down to the Galloway Forest, the dark sky area. And there was places there we didn't have a phone signal for two days, you know. Um, so you're you're well off the beaten path. Well, you need a spear to catch something to eat, because if you've broke your leg or whatever, and you're waiting on rescue, but you haven't been able to tell anyone, one you're going to try and start a fire. And two, you're going to try and see if you can catch something so you can remain alive by eating um, as best you can. But yeah, yeah. So, um, I mean, if you if you don't understand the importance of a knife, then you're prob I'm probably preaching to the wrong person at this point in time. Um, I think Vaughn will back me up on the importance of a knife. But yeah, so... Uh, excuse me. Uh... But yeah, so um, you you really want to take the proper tools for the environment. You certainly want to have um, you want to have clothing and layers, and you want to have a waterproof with you as well. And you need to be prepared for weather changes because the weather can change quite dramatically in very short time. Very short time. Well, if you get the if you get the right kind of knife, Adam, you can use it as a log splitter because you want one with a full tang. Um, So I've got, uh, this is quite a small one, but it's a Mora. So it's a Scandinavian, Scandinavian knife. Um, and it has what's called a full tang. So this is the knife. It goes all the way through. So it's not just a little bit that goes into the handle and then it stops. So the knife is the whole thing and then the handle is molded around it. So that's the kind of thing you want to, um, that's the kind of device that you want um, if you're going camping. And then if you're in, I mean, just general use, I carry, this is my everyday carry, which is a Swiss Army knife. Um, so that's, uh, it's got a legal blade on it, which is fine. Um, and then it's got all the other things that you can, you can use, including a corkscrew, which is always useful, and a toothpick. But yeah, yeah, um, so you probably want to take a couple of knives. Well, it's a nice, nice like, invaluable. It's, it's like, I, I don't know. See, I don't understand people that go out without a knife. I used to carry a Leatherman when I was in the police as well. I used to carry that in my belt because they're fantastic because they've got pliers on them as well. And they're really good. 
Um, I mean, they've cut chain link fences and things to get people out of the chain link fence because they get stuck in it. You know, that kind of thing. Oh. Oh. So, yeah. Um, so, so you need to be careful when you, you go out into, the, um, into nature because... People underestimate, they, they underestimate it all the time and people die all the time on Scottish mountains. Uh, they probably die in Welsh mountains as well, but I'm, I'm, I don't know. But you just, um, you definitely, uh, you, want to took, you want to take care of what you're doing and you want to look after yourself. And it's sensible, it's sensible to be prepared, like a good boy scout. But yeah. So, there you go. Oh, um... The only thing I find annoying is like when I come down to when I came down to Eastbourne to see Ben, I I had to leave my knife behind because I can't carry it on the plane, and I didn't book any baggage, so I had to leave it behind. Ah. Oh. So anyway, um, I hope everyone's um, enjoyed that. I don't know if you have or not. I don't know if it's been any good. Uh. I've quite enjoyed it. I thought it was a little bit of a diversion. You don't want to throw knives at them unless you know what you're doing, but you need a particular knife to throw. It needs to be weighted differently from a regular knife. Uh, but yeah. Oh, excuse me. Um... I did see the I did see the big picture of the fish and the the uh, the folder. Anyone else that wants to appear in the pre rolls, drop drop your pickies in. Drop your pickies in. Um we'll get them we'll get them up there. Um and we'll see you tomorrow night at the usual time of nine o'clock where we'll discuss the news. Now, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say or not, but we're thinking about changing something, so I want you to do is think what the channel means to you and how you think it should be best represented. Yeah, yeah. We'll leave it at that just now. So, I hope it's been good for you because it's been great for me. No, it's not been good for you at all, has it? It's been great for you. Cause I don't give a fuck what you say Yeah, I'ma do shit my way So you can go kick clocks I'ma stack bricks up, build what I want to make Yo, I got a lot of shit to say, so I'ma do this every day I'll be writing things until I'm fucking buried in my grave Six feet deep, wonder, but my body won't decay Cause my messages are timeless, so they'll put them on display Oh yeah, I rap with a certainty, I have a sense of urgency A message for eternity, for everyone internally I had some people burden me, but now they fucking learn to see I ain't the one to fuck with, now they looking nervously And I don't really care what you think of me respectfully You can kick rocks if you think you're fucking bad, you see I will outwork you, turn you to an enemy Aren't you so bad that you you're gonna need some therapy. I got the motherfucking recipe I've been cooking up hits, I'ma leave a legacy You'll be looking small when you're standing right next to me I'm five dead, bitch, but I'm ten feet Cause I don't give a fuck what you say Yeah, I'ma do shit my way So you can go kick rocks, I'ma stack bricks up Build what I want to make Cause I don't give a fuck what you say 
Yeah, I'ma do shit my way So you can go kick clocks I'ma stack breaks up Build what I want to make Yeah, I'ma do it my way Painted, I'm coming out with a statement. You really changed, man. All your music and arrangement. You don't know shit. Shut your mouth. You can save it. I'm the same dude that got his come up from the basement. A hundred songs, a hundred weeks didn't change it. Experiments developing intelligence and patience. Ultimate on the gig, cause I never feel complacent. Let's keep the good vibes. Positivity's contagious. I'm never looking back, cause I made a legend passionate. A college graduate suppressing all his talents, yeah. He found a way to go and change, become an advocate. We're taking control of your life. Go out and battle, and you think you have a dream, then act on it, get after it Get out your head and fucking capture it You got one life to master it Don't give up on your future, we all start losers We're all late bloomers, gotta sell them to the What you say? Yeah, I'ma do shit my way So you can go kick rocks I'ma stack bricks up, build what I want to make Cause I don't give a fuck what you say Yeah, I'ma do shit my way So you can go kick rocks I'ma stack bricks up, build what I want to make Hey kid, don't ever let them get inside your head They'll tell you what to do in life instead Of everything you know that you could get don't let them guide your life towards regret I'll fight for what I love with every breath My past is filled with things I won't forget I use them all to push me to my best So treat the worst of times just like a test If only I could go back in time I'd tell myself that everything will end up alright Just push yourself, test yourself, figure out what you like And find your limits, don't be rigid, always work towards a prime Surround yourself with open minds, people can change your life A few friends with intent can help you feel alive Find a passion, take some action, and with a little time Just be patient, make a statement, try to enjoy your life They'll try to kick you while you're down they wanna rise up while you drown They wanna fill your head with doubt They're silently scared that you'll figure it out I'll make it look like I'm losing Won't bother hiding my bruising And when they finally think you're wounded Then it's your chance to be ruthless They don't wanna see me make it, they don't wanna see me care Anytime I make some progress, I can see that they compare I think everyone's against me, maybe something in the air Am I paranoid? I swear a void is forming and they're scared I walk a straight path, not many can say that I'd like to play fast, cross me and there's payback You better pray that I don't see your face at Any place that I go, I know you hate that I've been doing fine I'm not wasting any more time I live for the fight and the climb And I think that the pain that's deep inside Is what defines 
So why won't give up? I'm gonna make it to the top. I don't care what's in my way. I swear I'm never gonna stop. I could fall flat on my face, and I swear I will get back up. 'Cause I don't deserve a thing, and the road ahead is tough. They'll try to kick you while you're down. They wanna rise up while you drown. They wanna fill your head with doubt. They're silently scared that you'll figure it out. I'll make it look like I'm losing. Won't bother hiding my bruises. And when they finally think you're wounded, then it's your chance to be ruthless. I don't give a fuck what you say. Yeah, I'ma do shit my way. So you can go kick rocks. I'ma stack bricks up, build what I want to make. Yo, I got a lot of shit to say, so I'ma do this every day. I'll be writing things until I'm fucking buried in my grave. Six feet deep, wonder, but my body won't decay. 'Cause my messages are timeless, so they'll put them on display. Oh yeah, I rap with a certainty. I have a sense of urgency, a message for eternity for everyone internally. I had some people burning me, but now they fucking learn to see I ain't the one to fuck with. Now they. Kick rocks. I'ma stack bricks up, build what I want to make. Yeah, I'ma 